praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, Church Bibles, page 700 will be in the middle of the Bible. 
We'll begin in Psalm 111, 111, page 700. Uh, real quick, um, we need to pray for Susan Placentia, and uh, she's got some stomach issues today. And Pam Reeder's got a bad cold, so she wasn't able to be with us today. And, and visiting with Raul before church, sounds like Raul Jr. is doing great. Hardly sees the cancer doctor anymore. And he's doing fine, eating well, feeling great. So bless the Lord for that. So praise him for that one. So we're going to read all of Psalm 111. I know it's a little bit long, but wow, there's just no off-ramp on this one. It's just such a good psalm. <clears throat> praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. The works of the Lord are great, studied by all who have pleasure in them. His work is honorable and glorious, and his righteousness endures forever. He has made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. He has given food to those who fear him. He will ever be mindful of his covenant. He has declared to his people the works of his, of the power of his works, in giving them the heritage of the nations. The works of his hands are verity and justice. All the precepts are sure. They stand fast forever and ever and are done in the truth and uprightness. He has sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. His praise endures forever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we bless you for the time together this morning. Lord, I pray you give us hearts that are humbled before you as we praise you this morning and ears and eyes that are ready to, to hear and see, God, what you would teach us today, Lord Jesus. And we thank you um, for the amazing praise we have to give you honor for in Raul Jr.'s life. And I thank you for Raul and Nina's continued faith. Lord, they continue to trust you. Uh, in this situation with Raul Jr.'s health. And we just thank you. It is, we're just so reminded, it is through your wonders that faith grows and is increased. So bless you, Jesus, for that. And Lord, we just, uh, we lift up Susan today and Pam, Lord, as they are right there where they are, Lord, you are with them. I pray, God, they feel your presence and that you would heal their bodies. And Lord, swiftly they would feel much, much better to glory to your name, Lord, and uh, we just pray, God, for as we continue to go through this season, Lord, that we will continue to remember amazing things we've seen you do, not only in our lives, but in the lives around us, Lord, as we just uh, sometimes take these things for granted, but Lord, you are God, and we want to give you all honor and praise, we're due. Pray, God, your presence and your spirit be welcome here today, and Lord, that you would speak to us in a mighty way, the only way that uh, only you can. So, Lord, I pray that you would speak in a mighty way to us today. We bless you. We trust you in all things, Lord Jesus. It's in you, Lord of Lords, King of Kings, that we pray. Amen.
Lost without hope of no place to begin Your love made a way to let mercy come in When death was arrested and my life began Ash was redeemed, only beauty remains And my orphan heart was given a name My morning grew quiet, my feet rose to dance When death was arrested and my life began Oh, your grace, so She's over me You have made me new Now life begins with you It's your endless love Pouring down on us You have made us new From my chains, I'm a prisoner no more. My shame was a ransom he faithfully bore. He canceled my debt and he called me his friend. When death was arrested and my life began, oh, your grace, so. Rejoiced as though heaven had lost But then Jesus arose with our freedom in hand That's when death was arrested and my life began Oh, you grace so free washes
Good morning. How's everybody this morning? Excited to return to Romans, and we've been out of it for a week and, and uh, back into the depths of what Paul is teaching, and probably one of my favorite places to teach is Roman 11s, and it is so powerful and um, challenging, but exciting. And so I, I pray that you'll 
enjoy today's message. You'll have to hold on to your seats a little bit. It will take us from the outer courts into the deep courts, into the deep waters. So if you'll turn with me, we're going to be on page 1304 in the church Bibles, page 1304, Romans 11. Let's begin in verse 1. Paul writes, he says, I say then, has God cast away his people? So I want to stop right there and just remind us a little bit about what's going on. Paul has been writing in the book of Romans about righteousness, what it means to be in right standing with God. And he's writing this, as you remember, to the church in Rome, which is made up of Jews and Gentiles. And if you remember, the Jewish people had been exiled from Rome for a period of time, and they are now returning to Rome to find that the Gentiles are leading the church that they were once leading. And so there's a lot of talk about, you know, where all this fits in and how all this comes together. And he's been uh, talking in chapter 10 if you remember, about this place of, of how the Jewish people have not continued to walk in the fullness that God has in recognizing the Messiah. So they haven't seen the fullness of God's plan. And so Paul is writing then, and he says, I say then, has God cast away his people? And so he's saying, you know, because of where the Jewish people are and what's going on, has God cast away these people? And he says, certainly not. Now, I want you to hold on to some of these things because I think not only is this going to help us today to understand the teaching in Romans 11, but it's going to help us on what we believe about what's going on in Israel today. So the physical Israel today, I believe God is going to speak to some of these places because I hear a lot of people say, you know, um, Israel's doing this wrong and that wrong and, and there's something going on. There, there is some truth to some of all the places that Israel has not walked in the fullness of what God has called her to walk in. But God has not cast away his people. And so we have to see what Paul is saying even to us today. He says, certainly not, that's not happened. For I am also, <clears throat> for I, I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of, ben, of Benjamin. God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew. Or do you not know that the scripture says Elijah, how he pled with God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. And what does the divine response say to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So if you remember, we talked um, a little bit about the remnant last time in the last few weeks. That's what he's talking about, is even when Israel was not where it was supposed to be, when they were walking with Baal, and they were bowing down to Baal, and killing the prophets of God, 
Elijah goes and he's just like, you know, Lord, what's the use? What's, you know, I'm the only one left. And God says, no, I've reserved myself 7,000. This place of completion, this place of saying, I've, I've got a complete remnant right here that I've reserved for myself. Verse 5 says, even so, at this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. Remember, we talked about this word election. It's not that God chooses and says, okay, you're going to be in the remnant and you're going to be in the remnant, but I'm sorry, you're not going to be in the remnant. It's not that place at all. But rather, it's this place where God knows who is going to choose to continue to walk in faith with him. And by walking in faith with him, we'll be a part of the remnant. Verse 6 says, and if by grace, then it is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, it is no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. What then? Israel has not obtained what it seeks, but the elect have obtained it, and the rest were blind. So what he's saying, it's not by works, but it is by grace. It's this place of grace through faith, the plan that God set up from Abraham forward, this place of grace that there would be a plan of faith, not of anything that you can do on your own. And he says, well, what then is Israel, but Israel has not obtained it. And it's true, most of the physical Israel that Paul is talking about here has not obtained it at this point in time that Paul is writing. And even today, much of physical Israel has not obtained it. And it says, and the rest were blinded. So there is a, a remnant of Israel that walking in faith, trusting in God's plan, through the blood of Jesus has obtained the grace that he's talking about here. But many are blinded. Just as it's written, God has given them a spirit of stupor, eyes that they should not see and ears that they should not hear to this very day. And David said, let their table become a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and a recompense to them, let their eyes be darkened so that they do not see and bow down their backs always. And we're going to see how this place comes. And it says that God has given them a spirit of stupor. If you remember, that was not the heart of God, but that they kept walking in their own ways and not aligning with the Messiah and what God's plan was in, through Jesus. And so God allowed this spirit of stupor to come upon them. Verse 11 says, I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? Certainly not. But through their fall to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Now if their fall is riches for the world, and their failure riches for the Gentiles, how much more their fullness. So I love this place right here where Paul is helping us understand. We have talked many times, we are Gentiles. 
If you're not Jewish, you're Gentile. Anybody who's not Jewish is Gentile. So most of us in here today don't believe we have a Jewish heritage. Therefore, we are Gentiles. And he's talking to us right here. He says, I say then that they stumbled that they, may, that they should fall. Certainly not. But through their fall to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. He's saying through this place that they've stumbled, through this place that they have stumbled, they haven't completely fallen away from God's plan. Paul says certainly not. But that they've fallen, I mean, that the fact that they've stumbled here is a place that has allowed the Gentiles to come into salvation and God is using this place to bring the Jewish people to a place of jealousy that the Gentiles are finding their Messiah. And then I love what it says in verse 12. Now, if their fall is riches to the world, if it's riches to us Gentiles, that they would stumble like this and fall in this place, then their failure and their failure riches for the Gentiles, how much more their fullness. He said, oh, how full the world is going to be when they come to see the fullness of who Messiah is in Jesus. For I speak to you, Gentiles, inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. If by any means I may, prov I may provoke to jealousy those who are my flesh, and save some of them. He's, he says, I am so excited that I am ministering to the Gentiles, and hopefully this will uh, provoke many to jealousy and be saved. For if their being cast away is the reconciling of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? For if the first fruit is holy... The lump is also holy, and if the root is holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches were broken off, and you, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, with them became a partaker of the root and the fatness of the olive tree. We're going to look at this a little bit more and talk through this, but I want to finish reading a little bit. Do not boast against the branches. But if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. And you will say then, branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well said, because of unbelief they were broken off, and you stand by faith. Do not be haughty, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he may not spare you either. Therefore, consider the goodness and the severity of God on those who, feel, who fail severity, but toward you, goodness, if you continue in his goodness. Otherwise, you, will, you also will be cut off. And then I want to... Um, well, let me just read on. And if they also, and they also, if they do not continue in unbelief, will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. For if you were cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, 
and were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these who were natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion that blindness in part has happened to, the, to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved. Okay, that's a whole lot. So I'm going to take a few of these verses. And um, Bill, would you help me grab this down, please, over here so it doesn't... Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, this is my tree. And uh, I don't claim to be an artist, but I think God's going to help us understand what Paul is saying here and I'm going to watch my notes really carefully because I don't want to miss anything and and not give you the fullness of what it is talking about so if I wanted to entitle today's message I would say that this message is God's family tree And I do want to tell you, I have notes that you don't have to take all this down in notes if you want to just listen and, and absorb it because I do have my notes Xeroxed and you can take them home with you. So um, what, what we want to look at is this olive tree that Paul is writing about and he uses this understanding because in Jeremiah... 11 let's just look at that he refers to Israel being an olive tree so turn to page 882 Jeremiah 11 chapter 11 verse 16 and 17 the Lord called your name green olive tree lovely and of good fruit with the noise of of a great tumult he has kindled fire on it and its branches are broken for the lord of hosts who planted you has pronounced doom against you for the evil of the house of israel and the house of judah which they have done against themselves to provoke me to anger in offering incense to baal so throughout scripture when the house of Israel, which includes the house of Israel and the house of Judah, we'll look at that. He refers to them as a green olive tree or um, just an olive tree. And the original understanding of this olive tree is that God has cultivated this olive tree for his purpose. But Paul is writing in Romans here, that to the Gentiles as well as to the Jews to help them to see where they are. But he's talking primarily in 11 to the Gentiles that they can understand the fullness of what's happening with the Jewish people. And he is saying, you are a wild olive tree. You've not been cultivated by God's plan. And so you are out here doing your own thing. But this olive tree that God has us to understand 
the fullness today in is, is how we are grafted in to this place. If you look in verse 17, it says, If some of the branches were broken off and you being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them. Among them. And who is them and how are we grafted in? Because a lot of people feel that uh, because the Jewish people did not recognize fully who Jesus was, that God has no longer any use for them as the chosen people and that the church today has replaced the Jewish people. That is not true. And Paul is addressing that very understanding in Romans 11. So what he's talking about is this them begins all the way back to Abraham. So Abraham... is the father of us all. But we would know that the very first place that this starts is in Genesis 12. So if you'll turn with me back to Genesis, I'm sorry, Genesis 15 on page 14. So on page 14, Genesis 15, we're going to start in verse 5. Then he brought Abraham outside and said, Look towards the heaven and count the stars, if you're able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord, and, count it and he accounted it to him for righteousness. He accounted it for him for righteousness. So right here, God begins to make a covenant with Abraham, and he believed in Abraham. Abraham believed in it, and he was made righteous. And that's what Paul's writing about, the, how to be in right standing with God. And then we see that go to a couple pages over to chapter 22 in Genesis. And it's going to be on page 22, I believe. And we're going to look at verse 15 and 18. So this story, you remember well, that Abraham has taken his son Isaac and he's taking him up uh, to make a sacrifice and a burnt offering. And Isaac even says to him, he says, Father, you know, uh, you have the wood and you have the knife and, and, and all that we need to give this burnt offering to the Lord, but you don't have a lamb. And Abraham says to him, he said, God will provide a lamb. So I want you to look down to verse 15, verse 5. 
It says, And Abraham said to the young men, Stay here with the donkey, and the lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. And as they go up together, then we want to drop down to verse 18. And the angel of the Lord, I'm sorry, verse 14. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. And as it is said this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, said the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing I will bless you and multiply will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore and your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemy in your seed all nations of the earth shall be blessed because they have obeyed because you have obeyed my voice so Abraham is made righteous through his faith in believing in God that he is uh, brought him out from the land he was in and bringing him to a new land. And now he is receiving the blessing that God is pronouncing to all his descendants and all the nations I think this is a huge place that we have to see that Abraham is understanding or, or being given this grace of this blessing not only for his descendants but for in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed so it is not only for the Jewish people but all the nations from the very beginning. So uh, because Abraham has believed. And so because of that, we as a, uh, Gentiles consider Abraham the father because of his faith. Then we see that this is passed on to Isaac. If you turn over a few more pages to Genesis 26 on page 27, verse 4 and 5, it says, I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heavens. I will give them to descendants uh, to, to the descendants all these lands, and in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Now God is talking to Isaac. So the blessing has been passed down from Abraham that he will bless all the descendants as the stars of the heaven to his descendants and to the nations of the land. So now Isaac receives God's blessing. So Isaac receives a blessing. Now I want you to look um, to 
to verse uh, chapter 28 on page 31. In verse 13, And behold, the Lord stood above and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham your father and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and the south, and in it you and your seed, all the families of the earth, shall be blessed. And behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to the land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I've spoken to you. Now he's talking, it says, then Jacob awoke from his dream. So he's talking to Jacob. So not only do you see here that the blessing is passed down again to the descendants, but also to all the, um, the nations. And then the very thing I want you to see too is that in verse 15, it says, I will bring you back to the land. He's going to bring them back to the land as well. So he receives the same blessings, but is promising to bring Jacob and his, or Jacob's descendants and the nations back to the land, the land of Israel. All right, turn with me on over to verse Thirty-two, uh, chapter 32 on page 37. And uh, Jacob is wrestling with God in this place. And we're going to start in verse 24. It says, Then Jacob was left alone, and man wrestled with him until the break of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, What is your name? He said, Jacob. And he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. So God changes Jacob's name. To Israel. And Israel means exactly what it's saying here. That um, he has struggled with God and he prevails and um, it also the understanding of Israel in the Hebrew is mean to be up straight up upright and the EL of course is God so upright with God and so we want to see that in this place God changes Jacob's name and all of the descendants from there forth are going to come under that understanding of Israel so turn to chapter 35 on page 40. And 
That's not exactly the scripture I was looking for. But it does talk uh, in, in the last part of 22. It says, now the sons of Jacob were 12. So Jacob has 12 sons. And the 12 sons became known, as you know, as the 12 tribes of Israel are the children of Israel. Now, then out of these sons comes Joseph. Let's turn to Genesis 48. It's on page, I'm not sure, let me see. Page 57 of 56, chapter 48, Genesis 48. And it says in verse 3, Then Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty, uh, uh, I'm sorry, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me and said to me, Behold, I will make you fruitful and multiply you, and I will make you make of you a multiple of people and give this land to your descendants after you as an everlasting possession. And now your two sons, Ephraim, Ephraim and Manasseh, who were both, who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt, are mine as Reuben and Simeon. They shall be mine. So Jacob tells Joseph that his two sons will be as, not as grandsons to him, but will be as sons to him. And so that is Manasseh, who is going to be one of the 12 down here as the sons. He will be included down here in this group. Oh, let me think about how you spell Manasseh. Man, A-S-S, yeah. Manassas, and he'll be in the 12 tribes. But if Ephraim, is going to actually be the one who uh, receives the firstborn blessings. Now, we've talked before how the first and second that God showed us through Abraham he had two sons, Ishmael and Isaac. Isaac is the second born. Ishmael was the first born. But Isaac, the second born, received the blessing. It's a picture of spirit and flesh. If you're walking in the spirit, that's the second born. The first born walks in the flesh. The second time this happens is Jacob and Esau. Esau was the firstborn, but the secondborn is Jacob, and he receives the blessing. The same is true with Joseph. He's not the firstborn. He is the latterborn of the 12. Now, he's not the youngest, and he's not the um, second one either, but he receives this, the blessing and his sons receive the blessing as well. Manasseh is the firstborn. Ephraim is the secondborn. So the secondborn receives the blessing. And walking in the spirit is the picture of that. 
All right. Now, these 12 sons become a kingdom, and under Solomon, the kingdom gets divided, as you remember. And so we have the northern kingdom. and the southern kingdom. This uh, northern kingdom is referred to as Ephraim and has 10 tribes. The southern kingdom has two tribes and it's Judah and Benjamin. Benjamin gets kind of absorbed into Judah, and so this kingdom is referred to as the house of Judah. And the northern kingdom is referred to as the house of Israel. So as you remember that Solomon, because of his uh, disobedience and he marries a, a bunch of pagan wives, is that the kingdom is divided and the, this kingdom, the northern kingdom, is snatched out of Solomon's hand. So God has got this tree going, but because of Solomon's disobedience, this kingdom is completely snatched out of the hand of Solomon. Let me see if there's anything else I want to tell you about that. that leaves the house of Judah, okay? In the Judah, when the Messiah came, then Judah does not believe, uh, many of them are, are against understanding Jesus as the Messiah, so many do not believe. But there's a remnant that does. And the reason they believe is because it's been prophesied that the Messiah would come. They saw signs and wonders and they began to understand what was prophesied throughout the Old Testament that the Messiah would come out of the stump of Jesse, who is King David's father. Okay. So Jesus comes 
and many of the house of Judah does not believe. Only a remnant does. And so, as it was telling us, Paul was writing and said they've been blinded. They're no longer a part of the kingdom. So they've been cut off. Let's look at that in Romans 11. Back on page 1305. And verse 19 says, You will say then, branches were broken off that we might be uh, grafted in. So these branches were broken off because they did not believe and, they're, um, and that broke them off, but God is going to use that, that there's no more of either kingdom to bring the fullness of his tree back. So Jesus is the stump, is the shoot out of the stump of Jesse, and I want to give you that. Let's look at that. Go to uh, Isaiah 11, 1, page 795. Isaiah 11, 1 says, There shall come forth a rod from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. So there shall come from the from the rod, come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse. So from the stem or stump in some translation is the stump of Jesse, and it's going to bring a branch that shall grow out of the roots. Okay, so Jesus is coming forth out of the stump of Jesse. And it's growing forth out of the roots. So who are the roots? Now we see this place of the roots. Look at Revelation 22. It's on page... Page 1426 verse 16 says I Jesus have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches I am the root and the offspring of David the bright and morning star so Jesus tells us at the end of Revelation that out of this olive tree that God has uh, used as an example for his family tree that Jesus is the root of the stump that includes the, the fathers and, and Joseph and Jesse that includes Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Jesse these places are already in place because of Jesus being the root and this is his plan this is God's plan 
to begin his tree. And it hasn't surprised God that any of it has been broken off, but he didn't want it to be that way, but he's using it in those places. Now I want to look at this place of the branches just for a second. So look at uh, Zechariah on page 1093. Zechariah 3.8. The prophecies are here to help those who would be the remnant that would believe. And they understood that in Zechariah had prophesied this in chapter 3, verse 8, we see, Hear, O Joshua, the high priest, you and your companions who sit before you, for they are a wondrous sign. For behold, I am bringing forth my servant, the branch. For behold, the stone that I have laid before Joshua, upon the stone are seven eyes. Behold, I will engrave. It goes forth. But he is uh, prophesying that his servant, Jesus, will come out of uh, the stump, as we saw, and become a branch. And he becomes the branch. So Jesus becomes the branch up here. All right. You can also look at 4.3, I believe. 4.3, it says, Two olive trees are by it, and one at the right of the bowl, and the other is at the left. So I answered and spoke to the angel who talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? Then the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, do you not know that these are uh, what these are? And he said, no, my Lord. So he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by my might, not by power, not by my strength, says the Lord of hosts. And um, it goes all the way down to verse 12, and Zerubbabel begins to help them to understand in verse 12, it says, And I further answered and said to him, What are these two olive branches that drip into the receptacle of the two gold pipes from the golden uh, oil drains? And what we're going to see is that these two branches are the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom of the olive tree. And they had made up the original, the original tree. But now they're broken off, okay? Now, let me see. All right, so Jesus becomes the branch and begins to build and restore the tree. And you have the apostles. Speller is, yeah, I was right. And the new church began to 
fill up this, this tree that God is using. Now, the thing about it is, is that right here, many people come and say, yes, that this is the new church, and this has replaced the northern kingdom and the tribe of, and the southern kingdom, the house of Judah. And they say, yes, this is because the church is now the new chosen people. But I want you to turn back to Romans, and I want, to, I want you to see what he's saying here. So on page 1304, Romans 11. And let's start in verse 15. For if they're being cast away is the reconciling of the world. What will their acceptance be but life from the dead? For if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy, and if the root is holy, so are the branches. So he's saying the root is holy, and so are the branches, because Jesus is the root, and Jesus is the, the branch that brings off these branches. And if some of the branches were broken off, and you being a wild olive tree were gathered in among them, with them became the partakers of the root and the fat of the olive tree. So what he is saying is, right there, do you see that? If, if you, if some of the branches were broken off and you being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them. So you're draft, grafted in right here believers among them among them the, the remnant and the fathers and the plan that God had in place for his family so you're grafted in to Abraham Isaac and Jacob and their understandings and the things that God has set in motion through his chosen people, grafted into them. Um, I want to look at a couple of scriptures to help you understand. Go to Ephesians 2, page 1344. Starting in verse 11, Paul talks about this in a way to help us to understand again what he's saying. He says, therefore remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who were called uncircumcised by what is called the circumcision party, made in the flesh by hands. So he's really saying, so you Gentiles who are called by the Jewish people, that at the time you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So what have you been brought near to? So by his blood, believers have been brought near to the blessings of and the promises that come out of all the way back to Abraham. 
grafted in to the commonwealth of Israel. And you were strangers from the covenants of the promises, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once for all have been brought near. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has brought down the middle wall of separation. He's making peace and made both one. What's he talking about? He's talking about Jews and Gentiles, and he's bringing them into one, into, into grafted in, into his purpose and his plan that he began through the fathers because that's where the blessings are. If we're not grafted in to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and uh, uh, what he did through Ephraim and, and Manassas and, and began even to help us to understand the Messiah would come in, through this lineage, there are no blessings for the Gentiles anywhere else. There are no, there's no place in the Bible that it gives any blessings or any promises to the Gentiles if you're not grafted in to them. The remnant that continues to walk in God's ways. So who are you grafted into? People argue about this all the time because most people say you're grafted into Jesus. That's not what it says in, in Romans. It says you're grafted in among them. Who are them? They're the remnant that continued to walk the, new, uh, the, the apostles and the new church as it began to walk in the fullness of what God established through the fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Um, many people come and they will say at this point in time that there is um, there a new covenant church. I want you to look at that. So turn with me to Hebrews 8. Let's see if I go to page number 4, 1378. So many of the churches today will tell you, we're, well, we're a new covenant church, not an old covenant church. And the problem with that is when you go to look at the covenant in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 8, it's, let's read that. It says, because finding fault with them, they say, he says, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the days when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt because they did not continue in my covenant and I disregarded them, says the Lord. That is the people who were not obedient. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their heart, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. 
the new covenant is written in verse 10 with the house of Israel. Not with a New Testament church. The New Testament church is grafted in to the house of Israel that is uh, walking in the understanding and purposes of the blessings given to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. The blessings of the covenant are given to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And the new covenant is given to the house of Israel. When you go back to, let's finish up on in Romans. When you go back to Romans 11 on page 1305. Let's start in verse writes and he says and they also if they do not continue in unbelief will be grafted in for God is able to graft them, them in again who's he talking about he's talking about the house of Judah who was in unbelief and he says they can be grafted in again they do have to come through the blood of Jesus so faith in Jesus just as our believers are today will draw them in to the tree the olive tree 24 says if you were cut out of the olive tree which is wild by nature and were grafted contrary to nature into the cultivated olive tree how much more will these who are natural branches be grafted in to their own olive tree They'll be grafted back into the, their own olive tree that God created. You have to see that this is God's olive tree, and he created this. 25 says, For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. So God knows that the, the Jewish people will not come and be grafted back in until the fullness of the Gentile people have come to be grafted in as well. Then he says in 26, and so, so he's saying, so then all Israel will be saved. All Israel will be saved, and it will be the house of Israel. And you will be a part of God's perfect plan. When I was studying through this, I wanted to um, share with you one of the things that God said to me so clearly. He said, you know, 
true faith brings us in alignment with his with God's will and God's purpose and God's plan true faith there is so much controversy between where the church is supposed to be are we under are we under the, uh, the mosaic law are we under the uh, understandings from Abraham and Isaac and Jacob you know we sang songs growing up some of you probably did uh, about father Abraham I was thinking about that the other night father Abraham had many sons and many sons had father Abraham and we all sang those songs believing that our spiritual heritage went back to Abraham but then it cuts out all the rest of it the reason it goes back to Abraham is because it's going through God's purpose and plan and we have to be in alignment with his purpose and plan so when people say today where do you stand with Israel I would like to refer them to Romans 11 because Paul says right in the beginning has God cast away his people he says certainly not he says I'm still working my purpose and my plan to create my family tree the olive tree that represents his chosen people we are grafted into that so I had someone say the other day he said well you can't you know you can't support Israel because they're doing a lot of things wrong you know and I don't know that's all debatable isn't it but what I'm here to say is I don't know I, I, I understand there's problems here and problems there and problems Th that's not the question the question is Israel is still the plan that God is using to work through for his purpose and his final plan. And we have to support what God is doing. So in this place of saying Israel needs to give up some of their land, when we read earlier in Jacob, it says, God says, I promise I'm going to bring you back into the land. I can't see that we can come to Israel and say you need to give up your land when God is saying I'm going to be doing things in your land we support Israel because Israel is a part of God's purpose and plan have they all come to know the Messiah and are they walking in the things of Jesus absolutely not that's what Paul's saying certainly not but he's not done with them he still has a purpose and he still has a plan for the Gentiles to be brought in and grafted in to the fullness of what that olive tree will look like and it is the house of Israel and that's where the covenants are made and that's where the promises are given and that's where the Messiah came from you know, if you think about it, if we're not grafted into them, you don't have a Messiah. 
He is there because we are grafted into what God's purpose and plan is. Physical Israel is a part of God's plan and purpose. Will they all be saved? No. A remnant will be the fullness of the, of the plan, just like with Gentiles. Not all Gentiles will be saved. But the remnant. I know these are a lot of, it's like being in a class today instead of a teaching of, of, uh, that's more like a sermon. But it's important that we get these places grounded in our understanding because we read Paul's writings and everything is very distorted if we do not understand the places that Paul is trying to open up in Romans. It helps us understand Ephesians and Galatians and, um, and Revelation. It helps us to understand Revelation. So, you know, someone was talking to me uh, recently and they said, yeah, but, you know, so you think that throughout time that we are going to be a part of what God's doing through Israel. And I said, I absolutely do. You go into Revelation and you see that the new Jerusalem, when it is brought down to this earth, it's going to be in that area to begin with. Jesus will reign in that area, not in the United States. He will not take up his throne in Washington, D.C., But he will reign from Jerusalem. But the new Jerusalem going in, there's 12 gates, and they are the 12 tribes of Judah. I'm sorry, the 12 tribes of Judah, yes. The 12 tribes of Judah. If we're not grafted into them, what gate are we going through? So I pray God will open this understanding up to you and that you will be able to discern where truth is and stand with God's purpose and plan that has not changed from the very beginning. Thank you. from heaven and all who are thirsty would thirst no more I wonder if I can drink of this fountain the least of ten thousand I count here at the
Where the river runs